Fullerton is next. Doors open on the left at Fullerton. How about Chicago? I could be there. Hi, welcome to Fall Monkeys. This is Adam. Hi, and this is Jerry filling in for uh, Ricky. We are a gay podcast recorded out of Chicago, Illinois, and Los Angeles, California. Thank you so much for listening. We're excited to have you back again. Uh, you are listening to episode 936 and we're going to kick things off here we talked uh, i believe two episodes ago at this point about a graphic novel um collection of comic strips sort of that we uh received from mark julian uh who's an artist and author out of uh toronto is that correct mark that's right Awesome. Uh, so we're here with Mark, and we wanted to get a little bit more info from him on the process behind Just In Case and the Closet Monster, and kind of talk about his process and um, get a little more info. So uh, welcome, Mark. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be with you guys. We're super excited to talk to you, too. So um, first off, Jerry and I really loved the book. Um, we thought it was super cute and uh, a lot of fun to read. And um, we really appreciate this. We've been going back and forth trying to schedule something uh, pre-COVID, mid-COVID, post-COVID. So um, took a little while to get here. So um, I do want to kick things off with asking you a little bit about uh, some of the inspiration behind it. There's a really great preface where you get into um, some of the reasons behind this and kind of where you were with your career. Um, but we'd love to give our listeners like a little bit of a taste of um, the inspiration behind it and what they can expect. Of course, of course. Uh, actually, the reason that I wrote, I wrote the book for my dad. Uh, in 2006, I lost my dad due to complications due to his fight with Alzheimer's disease. And uh, uh, unfortunately, I had never had the chance or the opportunity to tell him I was gay. By the time I had the courage to to have that conversation with him, um, the, the, the illness had progressed so much that he couldn't understand what I was saying. Uh, so after he passed away, I decided that the best thing that I could do was to use my chosen art um, uh, talent to, uh, to, to, to reach him in another way and to tell him that story in another way. And that's what I did. Um, that's fantastic. That's a really, um, it's touching and, uh, it's a, it's a really interesting way, I think, to approach the medium of art and comic books, um, and comic strips. Um, so did you kind of always know that this was the medium that you were gonna uh, go for? I mean, I know that your background is entirely in art, um, but did you have something that kind of drew you to a comic strip, comic book quarter, uh, sort of format when telling your story for your dad? Yeah, I, I, I've always wanted to be a comic book artist. Uh, when I went to the Ontario College of Art and Design in Toronto, um, my intention was to become a penciler. Um, but then uh, I, I took the illustration course and I decided to become an ed editorial illustrator. 
um, which made which meant for me I was working for a lot of magazines. Mm-hmm. And uh, at one point I thought I am tired of working for someone else. I want to be able to tell my own story. And uh, so uh, my love of comics and my love of theater kind of culminated in me uh, deciding to uh, approach the magazine that I was working for and ask them if they would run uh, uh, um, like a a, a short cartoon in the back of their magazine. Um, So uh, to prepare for that, I did 12 strips uh, that were independent and that could be read on their own. And um, I let my uh, husband, Stacy, read them. And Stacy said to me, there's no way that you're going to give this to a magazine. Uh, you have to develop this into a book. And, 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 and that's why I decided to, to develop the project into a book. Nice. So did you actually give them at all any kind of the strips to the magazine? No, no. no? Stacy sort of put the kibosh on that. <laughs> I think he's probably believed in me much more than I believe in myself, um, which is a, a, a great quality to have in a partner. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, I think he saw the humor in the strip. I think he saw that uh, uh, my individual sense of humor, and he thought that uh, it, it needed to be fleshed out into a book. So then I wrote another additional, um, I think, 60 or 70 pages. Um, I, I think I got to, to 90 pages and thought that was the end of my book. And mm-hmm. again, gave it to Stacy to read because he was my uh, my critic at that time, uh, the only one that had read the book. And he looked at me and he said, ah, no, Mark, your book isn't done yet. You need to uh, finish it. So so it's topping off at 200 pages now. I think 175 pages of of, uh, uh, strips and uh, and then uh, supplementary supplementary materials. So what you sent us was volume one, correct? That's that's correct, yeah. I hope that there's going to be a volume two. (laughs) <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, cause yeah, cause at the end I was like, oh, it's over. And then it has the character sketches and I was like, okay, well, clearly there's going to be a volume two at some point. We just didn't have it yet. So that's where I was kind of wondering uh, where you were with the volume two. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I actually uh, have started to work on a, a short, like a, mm-hmm. a, a short comic strip, uh, which uh, uh, involves two of the members of, 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 the Monsters Guild, the Closet Monsters Guild, uh, and uh, because I, I I never got a chance to tell a trans story, and so um, now I'm having a chance to to tell a trans story with those characters. Nice. Yeah, that's fascinating. I know um, Jerry and I both come from uh, like the fandom of traditional comic books, as far as like um, Jerry's a huge Wonder Woman fan, and we mm-hmm. both love X Men and. We uh, we started at least. I mean, Jerry's slightly older than I am, so uh, <laughs> we uh, we definitely started in like the heyday of Marvel and DC in the in the eighties, early nineties, where there was a comic book boom. Um, so I think we're both coming from a place where there are these overarching kind of epic storylines where. Um, dots are connected over the years and um, I started to when we started off with like like you said the initial 12 strips um, I felt like that was definitely shorter kind of uh, self-contained panels and when we started learning more about the closet monsters um, or um, 
the different uh, people who were like assigned sort of and how they fit with their respective um, closeted individuals. Uh, that's where I was like, I need, I need more of this. I love this. I love the universe building. And I think you did a really good job with that. Was that intentional? Oh, I, yeah, definitely, definitely. I think, I think the project grew as, as I was writing it. I think maybe what we should tell your listeners is the premise of the book so that they can understand what we're talking about. Um, <laughs> yes. So, 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 so basically the main character, Justin Case wakes up in the middle of the night one night to a rustling in his closet. He gets up to go and investigate what that rustling is and he realizes that there's a monster in the closet whose sole purpose is to help him come out. Throughout the book, you then realize that there's actually a closet monsters guild and that guild goes to every LGBT person when they're ready to make that journey out of the closet and they're there to help and, and, and a lot of times push them to, to, to have the courage to come out of the closet. I think my favorite part was when the, uh, the, the monsters had to switch their person. They were like, you know, with the, with the bear one. And oh, okay. uh, I, I loved that part. Cause it was like, Oh, we aren't the right fit. And then he spits him out <laughs> and then he's like, yeah, Oh, yeah. you're perfect for me. And then they get to have their, you know, monster that's appropriate for them. I liked that, that not, everybody fits exactly with the monster that they got at first. Oh, well, I'm glad you said that. And, and, and Marlon and his charge, Corey are one of my favorite parts of the story as well. Um, I, I really wanted to talk about um, toxic um, body image in, mm -hmm. in, in, in gay culture. And that was my opportunity to do, do that. And I also wanted the monsters not to be infallible, infallible, right? Mm -hmm. So they're, uh, they're as flawed as the human characters are because they've actually had to, uh, they've become closet monsters because they never had the courage to live their own life in truth. So in their uh, afterlife, they actually become closet monsters and help LGBT uh, people uh, make their journey out of the closet. Nice. I'm going to echo Jerry and say that that's one of my favorite parts as well. Um, and I definitely, I was left wanting more Corey for sure. So. Um, oh, good. Oh, good. I'll, yeah. I'll have to, I'll have to write more about Corey for sure. Yeah. Mark, did you, get the, did you get the catharsis you needed after you wrote this with your dad's death? Um, well, people have been asking me that. And, and, and one of the things I've been going back to is, is I would have rather have had the conversation that I needed mm -hmm. to have with my dad than actually have created this story. I'm mm -hmm. so glad that this story exists. And I think uh, it helped me uh, connect with my family better. I think mm -hmm. that they were able to understand me as a gay person more, understand that journey out of the closet. Uh, it was important for me when I told the story is I, is I wanted, the story is all about Justin's uh, journey to come out of the closet. So I don't think as a gay culture, we talk a lot about that. We talk a lot about what it's like to come out of the closet, but we don't talk a lot about what it was like to live those horrible years inside the closet. Mm -hmm. And I think it was hard for my family to read the book, but I think they really did get to know me a little bit better. Nice. That is very awesome. And I, 
I connect with it a lot. And I think that people maybe from my generation and uh, a little bit older um, can definitely see themselves in some of the characters in the situations in the book for sure. Um, do you think it's easier now for, for younger people? Um, I don't want to generalize, um, but I think the generations subsequently, like shortly thereafter I came out, um, have had an easier time. Um, what, what would be your approach to closet monsters for perhaps younger people who may not be struggling as much because thankfully we have this culture of acceptance um, that's a lot greater than it used to be? Yeah, well, that's an interesting question. And I think the only thing I can say is I used to be a high school teacher before I uh, decided to uh, work on the book full time. Uh, and actually working in the high school, I realized uh, because, because I actually had put the book on hold and, and decided to become a teacher, uh, taught for four years in the high school because I thought my book didn't have relevance anymore. I thought mm. that people wouldn't relate to it. And then I worked in the high school system for four years and realized that all of the same problems were still there. There was still bullying. It happened behind the teachers' backs. Um, I was trying. I tried to um, um, help out as much as I could and become an ally. And I, I, I ran an LGBT youth group. Um, but but I heard a lot of the same stories that I had endured from those students. So I I I. I guess it depends on where you're from. I, I, I was teaching in Kingston, Ontario. And uh, so I think that my book is still relevant to, okay. to, to a lot of people because they're, they're, they're still dealing with a lot of the same things that, that, that you and I have, de have dealt with. Okay. Yes, I definitely agree. And um, I will, first of all, I apologize if I implied that it wasn't relevant because I think it absolutely is. Um, and that wasn't my intention. I just think the um, younger people, I think, are coming out in different ways and younger. And I think that there's still a need for a closet monster, so to speak, fictional though it may be. I do think that people still struggle and people need to be told that it does get better and that everything is going to be okay. And I think that this book can help with that and kind of is entertaining and soothing simultaneously. Thank you. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, Mark, um, do you have anything else to add? Um, or do you have any projected idea when like a volume two might come out or well, I'm like just writing? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm writing right now. I'm working on a short. It's about 80 pages. Uh, mm -hmm. It's about uh, two of the, the main characters, Abigail and Bethany. Um, mm -hmm. And, and, and one of them, like I said, is a trans character. And um, it, it's, it's uh, I'm hoping maybe in a, in a year or two, it took me so long to do the first book. It took me nine years to actually wow. uh, write and draw the whole book. Uh, so I'm not exceptionally fast. I'm not like someone that works at Marvel or DC that has a whole <laughs> bunch of people doing other things like inking it and, 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 and do, doing the, the penciling. And, and uh, I, I do everything myself. Um, so it, it may take a little while before, but I will 
definitely keep people posted if uh, they, 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 they check out my website at uh, justincaseinthecloseymonster.com. Um, and uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I thought I would start with a little short, so I, it, it wasn't as overwhelming as, as, as going right into volume two. And uh, COVID has been perfect to, uh, <laughs> to find the time uh, to actually be able to, to, to sit down and draw. Uh, I spent three days of, uh, uh, of the week in my studio working. Um, so hopefully sooner than later, maybe, maybe I would say in, maybe in two years, a year and a half, okay. two years, hopefully they'll have something else for me. Is there anywhere else besides your website that they could get this graphic novel? I, I think the best place to go is to my website because it'll link you to my Shopify site and it'll link you uh, link you to my Amazon site. So it's Mark okay. Julian. It, it's uh, just in case in the closet monster.com. Awesome. And what's your uh, Instagram? Cause I know that you were saying about your Instagram too, just for the listeners. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I it's I, again, it's just in case in the closet monster. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. All right, Mark, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to do this. We really appreciate it. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Thank you so much. It's been a long time in, in, in us being able to connect with COVID and everything. So I wasn't sure it was going to happen. So I'm, I'm so excited that it happened. Thank you so much. Good. You're, You're welcome. very welcome. We're so excited that we got to speak with you. And again, congratulations on the book and the accolades you've received. Very well deserved. Thank you so much. All right, Mark. Next time we'll we'll make sure we, I let I'll make sure you, you know when this comes out. All right. Ah, uh, perfect. Thank you so much. Do you need anything else from me or? No, I think we're good. Yep, yeah, we're good to go, yeah. and we'll we'll set you up with um we'll send some links out whenever we publish this as well. Um, so keep an eye out for that, and uh, we'll plug the site and the book as much as we can. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, and I will plug you guys. Like, I'll, I'll send. Uh, I have a big backers list because we, we I, I was able to fund it through uh, Kickstarter, right? So I have a bunch of backers that I can send your uh, your podcast out to, and then my followers on Instagram and and Facebook, all that. I'll I'll I'll, I'll share the love. Perfect. Awesome. We love all right, that. Mark. Thanks a uh, lot. Have a great. Thank one. you. Okay. Bye bye now. All right. Um, thank you so much again to Mark for that interview. Um, full disclosure, that was done at an earlier date, and we're stitching it in here. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank um, you, Mark. That was a uh, that was fun. Yeah, um, and we're looking forward to perhaps another volume. So, um, anyway, so what's the rest of your week been like? Oh, well, yesterday the internet exploded because of the Chris Evans dick pic that leaked. Um, I, so I was of two minds. Like immediately I was like, oh, it's a penis. I want to look at it. Mm -hmm. uh, but I am trying to be more respectful of like, if somebody else had leaked it, I probably wouldn't have wanted to see it. Mm -hmm. And I get accidents happen, shit like that. Um, there was that one time that I let my mom use my computer and she found a dick pic of me um, <laughs> when I was in college. So, um, which that was a trip. But um, so I'm kind of like, I feel bad for looking at it a little bit. Mm -hmm. I don't. No? I mean, it's, it's sad that it leaked. I mean, he, it was a mistake. 
Mm-hmm. It ha- mistakes happen, but you know, it, it right. was out there. I looked, well, made a judgment call on it, and then moved on. Uh, his brother today tweeted, uh, "Hey, I've been off the internet all day. Has anything happened?" <laughs> <laughs> well, his brothers leaked. I think his brother leaked it himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, his brother cute. His brother got a nice penis too. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is. It's, first of all, you don't even know that it's him. It's just like a shadowy penis. Although Um, I don't know why he would have another person's dick pic on his pic. Unless. Unless. um, (laughs) I mean, you never know. Whatever. I don't care. Me neither. Um, What does Missy Elliott say in the one song? Um, Worry about who you're licking and sticking just mad at ain't Joe's. (laughs) Um, you know what's what was funny about the whole thing is just the response on twitter just the uh the creative ways that people you know responded to it and uh, you know the funny memes and the funny gifts and stuff that's kind of what i had more fun looking at than actually the actual penis picture which although was quite nice the other stuff made me laugh speaking of twitter though i just saw this morning uh carol decker from tapau Oh yeah, remember yeah. Tapao from Heart and Soul? She tweeted, "Sadly, and it gives me no pleasure to say this, this is undrinkable." Kylie Minogue, do a tasting of her wine. <laughs> so uh, the Kylie fans were like, "Well, uh, Carol, I've actually drank this. Maybe you should get a palate." Is <laughs> like is Carol Decker. First of all, like Carol Decker can sing. I'm not gonna hate on T'Pol. T'Pol is some mm-hmm. shit. Um, but is she like a fucking sommelier now or something? No, I don't know. I don't think so. Like, bitch, uh, you don't like rose, you don't like rose. Get over it. Yeah, she was just like, you know, just said this, and people were like, uh, I've drank this, and I'm not that sophisticated. I think it's great. You know, who are you? You know, all that sort of right. stuff. Well, so and, it just um, made me laugh this morning. They get a little crazy. Yeah. They do. They get a little wild. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, before we forget about the Chris Evans thing, I don't know if George was expecting like a full-on, like full masked face and everything. But when you sent me the picture, I showed it to George, and he went, "That's it." <laughs> He's uh, uh, has high expectations, I guess. I don't know. I'd rather see a picture of Chris Evans, but. He's got a nice butt. He's got a nice butt. I like butts. Well, and it's funny. I was never really that much of a fan of his until Captain America. Like, I thought he was okay in Fantastic Four and the rest of his stuff. I was like, eh, he's okay. He okay. He's not that great of an actor. But, oh, excuse me. He did really well with Captain America. So that's when I kind of became a fan. Yeah. He just seems like a good person. He does. He seems like he's like a nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Oh, tonight hmm. is Patty versus Gladys. Oh, God. <laughs> I can't. Patty. I don't think I'm going to watch, to be honest. Uh-huh. I'm definitely going to be paying attention to the hot takes. Oh, yes. Patty put out a video today. It's her at her mansion, and there's soundtrack of her playing, and she comes down the stairs, and it shows all this cooking, and then she goes, Gladys. 
I'm bringing this. And it's like all these courses of a meal. What you bring in? <laughs> oh my God. I, yeah. She like, I, she puts a patty pie in. Someone's like, why can't she make her own? She's like, and people were like, bitch, she's got to plug her own pies. Mm-hmm. She got a business to run. She got a business to run. The first time I had a patty pie was with you. Oh, okay. In we, Arizona. We, we, yeah, when we got it in Phoenix. When we went in Phoenix. Um, I saw Gladys Knight live uh, years ago when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. in Smokey Joe's Cafe. Right. The non-union tour. <laughs> mm-hmm. And didn't they, like, so what cracks me up is Smokey Joe's Cafe, for those of you who don't know, is a review. It's not really a jukebox musical because there's no plot. It's just a bunch of people singing songs by these composers, Lieber and Stoller, who wrote, like, Hound Dog, W-O-M-A-N, um, a bunch of, like, really, really classic <laughs> um early rock and roll, doo-woppy, R&B stuff. Um, anyway, so they did not write Midnight Train to Georgia. But I'll tell you what, Gladys sang Midnight Train to Georgia in the middle of the season. Really? <laughs> he did not give a shit. That's why it was non-union. Right? Um she uh, she was great though, and she had the pips and everything. It was it was fun. Wow. She mm-hmm. can still sing. She's she's got an amazing voice. I love her. Oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what what team I'm gonna be on. I mean, I think traditionally speaking, Patty can outsing Gladys, mm-hmm. in my opinion. However, and I've said this before. Patty LaBelle tends to not necessarily go for the feeling of the lyrics. Right. She just wants to belt her face off. And, and riff. Do, yep, that's it. <laughs> Whereas I feel like Gladys might have an edge in, depending on what they're singing, mm-hmm. Gladys is going to make you feel it. Right. I agree. I agree with that. Um, I wrote this down because, and it kind of goes into this, because I've had, have you ever gotten just like an older song stuck in your head for no reason at all? You know, like from this era, like Gladys Knight, Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow is always just (laughs) popping into my head for no goddamn reason at all. You know, I'll just be sitting there and then, you know, doing whatever and Tonight your mind complete. And I'm like, what the fuck? I, I'm, I'm like, you know, thinking about, you know, this patient case that I have to work uh, for on my standardized patient job. And that song's in my head, you know, and it's like every version of it too. It's not even like one person. It's not like the original or Carol King, you know, it'll be the Linda Ronstadt version sometimes, or it'll be like, you know, the, the version from Beautiful. Uh, the musical about Carol King. It just, it doesn't even matter. It'll just pop into my head. And I'm like, God damn. (laughs) (laughs) I, nothing specific comes to mind for me for that, but I have a problem with going to a store or like hearing a song pass by in a car and then hours Mm -hmm. later, I'll start singing it. Um, Or it'll just even like immediately, like where were we yesterday? I was somewhere with George. May have been Walgreens. We went to a couple places. We ran some errands yesterday. 
and I knew you were waiting for me by George Michael and Aretha Franklin was playing. Uh-huh. And then we went to like some other store and I looked at George, I was like, when the mountain was high. <laughs> and, like, and I just can't like, it just comes out sometimes. Um, and that's happened to me for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. I There's an amusement park in the UK called uh, something Towers. Fuck, I can't remember. Faulty Towers. Faulty Towers, yes. <laughs> um, but I went with my ex. Um, I'm looking it up right now. Towers, Alton Towers. Okay, so I went and like, for some reason, before we got there, like the growing pains theme had like come up in conversation or something. And we were like waiting in line to get on like a roller coaster or whatever. And it was just suddenly, I would just be like, show me that smile. Ooh, show me that smile. And he would be like, shut the fuck up. And I just could it just comes out. I had to sing. I had to. to. (laughs) That's a good song though. It's a good song. You know, it's funny you say that because, uh, we, we went to amusement parks every once in a while. But one year for a band trip, they took us to Six Flags. So it was mm-hmm. like all the band nerds. But they also had, they said, oh, uh, Wet and Wild. I think that was the name of the park. They were like, like if you want to go to, huh? Like like the cosmetic company, like the lip gloss? Wet and, uh, wild? Wet and wild, but it was a water park. They said, uh-huh. you know, it's warm enough to go. So if you want to go, you can go for a couple hours and then come to Six Flags. So I looked at the weather and it was going to be, I was like, sure, I got to go to Wet and Wild. Heck yeah. Or yeah, no, it was Wet and Wild. Big Splash was a different one. Anyway, <clears throat> so I was there and I just remember that's like the first time I heard Bananarama's Love in the First Degree, like on the radio that I wasn't playing it. And I was like in the water park, like, yeah, I love this song. And like, my <laughs> friends were like, what? But it was in Dallas. And I was like, they're playing that good music here. Finally, you know, so. That's my uh, theme park memory of a song that I was like, yeah, my little gay self was just dancing. (laughs) I have so many theme park memories because I worked at one for five, six years, six Mm -hmm. summers, I think. Um, So lots of lots of theme park memories. Um, uh, 99 Red Balloons reminds me of riding this ride called the Music Express, where it was like a bootleg ABBA. So like the background of the ride, it was like a, like it spun around in circles, but it kind of tilted and like the um, centrifugal force, centripetal force, whatever. Centripetal. Yeah, centripetal force forces you into the middle. Right. So like the fat person has to sit on the inside, basically. (laughs) Which was like the thing that was, we always were like, all right, who's the fattest here? Like you gotta sit on the inside. but the like the shell of the ride had these. I have to find a picture and send it to you. They looked like ABBA, but mm-hmm. they were like bootleg ABBA. It was like these big paintings of like <laughs> like disco uh, mm-hmm. ABBA outfit Swedish looking people. But there were five of them. Four ABBA five. Um, but they always played ninety nine red balloons on that for some reason, and then also. My first like out boyfriend was a dancer in the show because of course. Duh. And at that point I was like, anybody who was like visibly out and open, I was like, hmm, I don't know if I'm attracted to you, but I'll date you. 
because I just didn't have any, I like didn't know that many people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I asked my friend Margie, who was like an actual dancer. Like she had like a, she ran her mom's dance studio or some shit like that. So she was friends with all the dancers in the show. Mm-hmm. And um, I want to say this was when some of your friends were in it as well. Oh, okay. Um, so I used to sell glow sticks and shit and we would park like a little booth outside of the show mm-hmm. and sell glow sticks like during the show. Cause it was all open air. And, um, I used to stare at the one guy and I was like, okay, so I know he's gay for sure. And I was like, so Margie, you're friends with him. Hook his sister up. I'm, I'm out. I'm gay. Like, I don't care who knows it. And the first thing he said to me, he was like, well, I kind of knew you were gay because A, you were staring at me and B, you sang along with the pre-show music every night and you really got into the sign by Ace of Base. And I was Who like, does it? That's, Who doesn't like, love the sign? <laughs> My God, I remember <clears throat> every year they used to take us, uh, if you got a certain GPA, or perfect attendance. I don't remember what the actual thing you had to get to go to this thing, but there was an amusement park in Tulsa called Bells. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we used to go to that every year at the end of the school year. Well, when I was a senior, I went and I loved I loved rides. And I never got sick or anything, but this last time I, I had chili cheese fries and I didn't wait long enough. And my friend was like, let's get on the spider. My friend, Tara Thomas, <laughs> well, needless to say, I hurled everywhere and Tara and I were screaming, stop, stop the ride, as I was just puking chili cheese fries all over her and myself. So they had to stop the ride and then hose us down. They wouldn't even let us get out of the car. They were like, stay there. And then they hosed us down, just hose us down with the, with the, uh, with the water hose with the you know, trigger on it. <laughs> just to spray it down. She was so mad. But at the same time, we just, we were laughing, even though I felt horrible. Thank God I had brought a change of clothes because just in case I did like the water log ride or something, but I brought a change of clothes. So I had to go back on the bus and change. It was so awful, but I just puked everywhere. So it was a long time before I got back on a ride. Yeah. We, uh, the spider, the spider is what I was on too. Was that, that's the one with the, like, the legs and the... All the legs and the, and the car went spin, which is, was always my favorite. But this time, I just, I did not wait long enough after I ate. When I was little, the one at Kennywood, which is the amusement park in Pittsburgh, was called the Monongahela Monster. (laughs) Because that's one of the, that's one of the rivers. It's one of the three rivers in Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they took it out and they put something else on top of it. Now I can't remember. I don't know. I'm... I haven't, I went there last year to see my cousin March in marching band and everything was fucking different. And like, mm-hmm. it's so weird. Cause I went there growing up every summer. Right. We had our school picnics were mm-hmm. there. Every school had their own day and you got your outfits. Um, but everything's different. I don't remember. They don't have shows anymore. Like they mm-hmm. used to, they used to perform there. Um, but what was I going to say? Oh, barfing. My aunt Nicole has a lot of really good stories about me barfing as a child. Um, I was a notorious power puker. Um, I like, I'm talking like I could hit the ceiling fan from here probably when I was a child. Um, I should ask her to call in and tell 
some of the stories. I threw up all over her best friend who they're still friends with. Um, they like live near each other and they're still friends to this day. We were going on a family trip and I had just been getting over like some kind of illness. And my mom was like, we're going, you're going to have to get over it. I already took off work. We're going. And um, it was a place called Laurel Caverns. And it was like a like spelunking tour sort of situation. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I was not allowed to sit in the front seat because I was too short. Right. And my mom called it the seat of death. So my aunt Nicole just sat in the front. I sat in the back with Heather. They were already pissed about that. And then I was like, mom, I don't feel so good. Like halfway there, fucking projectile vomited all over Heather in the back seat. God. We had to pull over at, I believe, a Kmart in the middle of like the highway. I remember precisely the outfit that I was purchased to replace my vomit stained clothing. It was a Bart Simpson sweatsuit, head to toe, oh. red sweatpants. <laughs> I was styling and profiling. But then I felt great after that. I was oh, like, yeah, you just puked it all up. I was like, now, oh, did Heather have a change of clothes? My mom had to buy Heather something. Yeah, I don't remember which one. Yeah, my mom was pissed because she had to buy people clothes, but also it was kind of hilarious. And we went out for drinks with my aunt and Heather like uh, four or five years ago, one of the first times I brought George home. And um, that was the story that they told to George. George was there for that, so. When I was in the eighth grade at a Bills trip, it was my friend Mike, who he's still at home. He, he's delightful. He's a very sweet guy. I rarely see him, but he's just, he's still nice. But there was this other kid that Mike was, Mike and I were the only ones that were friends with him. It was, his name was Kevin Anderson. And he was just gay, 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 gay. You know, he had like gray, Payless had these dress shoes that looked like uh, gray character shoes. Okay. You know, they had a little heel and Kevin wore them with everything. And he always was just like, you know, dressed to the nines. And mm-hmm. that somebody said later that he used to play heart to heart by himself on the playground. Yes. I could be like, oh, Jonathan, you know, and, but he was super sweet yeah. that everybody picked on him. So anyway, oh. we were, the three of us were running around bells together because whatever, we were in the eighth grade, we didn't care. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> they had like a haunted ride, you know, where you go in mm-hmm. and, ride the train well it was the only air-conditioned place and it was already hot as balls so you know we were hot and sweaty so we're like let's just get on this it's air-conditioned and we just kept riding it then getting back on and going Mm. through it again and I just remember at one point like after the sixth or seventh time the the guy that was driving the ride just gave us this really dirty look like (laughs) I know what you homosexuals are doing in there even though Mike wasn't gay and we were in the eighth grade we weren't doing anything but just cooling off but I just remember that look he gave us like you disgust me you know 300 pounds working a bell's ride you have no no room to judge nobody but yeah so but we still did it I think we went around like five or six more times until we cooled off (laughs) but I don't know what happened to Kevin Anderson I hope he has a good life because he was a sweet boy I hope he does too. Kevin Anderson, if you're listening, sorry for blowing up your spot, number one. Number two, thanks for listening. Number three, let us know how you're doing. And four, do you still have those gray character shoes that you wear with everything? <laughs> hey, if Stephanie Mills still got her shoes. <laughs> She's like, yeah, they're like, hey, Stephanie, have you seen your silver character shoes? No. <laughs> She's got seven of them in her bag. <laughs> I know equity says you can't give these shoes to nobody else. (laughs) (laughs) 
I um I've never stolen anything from a show, I don't think. I have I have my bonnet from Peter and the Starcatcher. Mm-hmm. But that was given to me. Well, that's a lot. A, uh, a lot of the times the dressers will be like, you know, I have to come back later and get your stuff. And if X, Y, Z isn't there, it's just not there. You know, right. and a lot of the times that's when actors will go, oh, I'll keep my shoes or. And honestly, if you're doing a Broadway show, they're not allowed to give your shoes to anybody else. So. Yeah. You're just going to sit and rot. Like, I remember my friend Allison saying that when 42nd Street closed on Broadway this last time, they had like eight or nine pairs of gorgeous tap shoes that mm-hmm. were just made specifically for them. They mm-hmm. had their foot measured. I mean, it was like a process. Well, Alice, Allie said that they like, they said you get to keep one pair. So Allie took her favorite pair. <clears throat> and then like five years later, she was taking a dance class at Broadway Dance Center and they had this box of like shoes. If you forgot your shoes, you know, you could sterilize it and put on a pair of shoes. And her one of her pairs of tap shoes were in there with her name still in them. And she was so mad. <laughs> she's like, she's like, they made these shoes for me. They wouldn't let us keep them on purpose. Yeah. She's like, they sent them out on the non-union tour for other people to wear. And then at the end of the day, they were like, yeah, just donate them somewhere. She's like, my beautiful shoes are sitting in a box for people to use at any time. She's like, at one point, I'm glad they're being used. But another point was, damn, (laughs) let me have my shoes. Kind of a waste, but also at least they're there for people to use. True. And that's how she kind of spun it. She was, she was really good natured, but she was just like, my shoes, my, my beautiful shoes. I... Don't think that there, I can't think of anything that like I would have wanted from any of the shows that I did ever. Well, I know another friend that said that when uh, his TV show was canceled, they were like, do you want any of your wardrobe? Mm-hmm. And my friend was like, uh, seriously? And he, they go, it's going to go on a truck somewhere and be put in storage. So mm-hmm. if you want it, just take it. So he was like, okay. So he had like four or five like stuffed you know, uh, uh, garment bags full of clothes because they were like, it's just going on a truck. It's going to go into storage. We're never going to use it again. Well, I think I read something about um, Dan Levy keeping some of the, because that stuff is really iconic at this point from Schitt's Mm -hmm. Creek. Right. Um, And that they worked worked really hard on creating specific looks for him and Alexis and Moira. so I think I've read about them being able to keep all of that stuff because like, what are they going to do with it? Um, and they may have also auctioned some off for charity. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Makes sense. Yeah, I would do that. I would auction things off for charity. Like if I were ever to be in a position where I was like, oh, these are like iconic clothes that I wore on this tour or the show or something like that. That would probably be what I would do. I'd keep Rue something. Mc- Rue McClanahan had it in her contract. She got to keep all her outfits. <laughs> from Golden Girls. How about that uh, Golden Girls, the all-black cast? I haven't seen it yet, but I thought it was cute. And people were like, they're not old enough. And so I had to look up at how old everybody was. Rue McClanahan was 51 when she did that show. And mm-hmm. I think that's how old uh, Regina King is. Or if she's not 51, she's 50. Uh, and Tracy is, I think, a few years older than me, too. So I just turned 47. I think she's 50. So... 
I think they're all about in their 50s or very late 40s. Yeah. Now, B and uh, Betty were 63 when it started. And then Sophia was 62. Estelle was 62. So they weren't really that much older. But somebody did a better casting. They were like Jack A as... Blanche yeah. and Loretta Devine is Rose. And I'm like, oh, never mind. That that's way better. <laughs> <laughs> Who do they have as um Dorothy? Because I saw that oh, too. Uh I don't remember, but I was like, oh, uh, Jennifer Lewis. Yes. And who was Sophia? Uh Sophia was well, one cast had I saw it was Cicely Tyson, but then the other <laughs> one, which I liked better, was Marla Gibbs. Oh yeah, I love Marla Gibbs. I love Tucci. I do too. Um, we've been rewatching Sister Sister. George is actually watching Sister Sister right now, and um, she's just so. It's. I feel like it's rare that you get an actor or an actress that can play a very iconic role and then play like kind of another very iconic role. Mm-hmm. Like she's not necessarily the lead in 227 or Sister Sister, but they're very different characters. Right. And she doesn't rely on the same kind of timing or uh, skill set for, for each character. Now you're talking about J.K., not Marla yeah. Gibbs. Oh. Yeah, Gibbs, sorry. Um, yeah, because I don't think Marla Gibbs was ever on Sister Sister. Yeah. But... Um, no, but and it's she, weird, like... And she did Ladybugs. <laughs> Ladybugs. Oh, my God. Ugh. Poor Jonathan you know, Brandis. Didn't he kill himself? Yes. Pour one out for Jonathan Brandis. Um, that reminds me, in college, my roommate now, we went to college together, and so my roommate at the time, Melody and I, were sitting at home, and our phone rang, so we picked it up. We were like, what? And, he, and Morgan, he said, hey... Rodney Dangerfield is going to be on Larry King and I'm going to call in. And when he says, when he answers, I'm going to say, Rodney, love you in Ladybugs. He goes, so y'all need to listen. So we were like, okay. So we turned on Larry King <laughs> and we sit there and giggled for an hour. They never did. They never did. I think Rodney King, or Rodney King, Rodney Dangerfield never showed up. Oh. Uh, so he couldn't do it. But Morgan was all set and he was going to say it just like that. Rodney, love you in Ladybugs. <laughs> and I was like, well, what were you actually going to ask? He goes, oh, I don't even remember that part. Oh, my God. <laughs> we, uh, we like, Ladybugs was on Netflix or something not that long ago, because I want to say, no, maybe I get that confused with, isn't there another, like, oh, this is a zany gender-swapped comedy about soccer? Is oh, that, she's, she's the man. She's, she's the, the man, man about soccer yeah. as well? Okay. Yeah. I get those confused. Both troubled actors, Amanda Bynes and Jonathan Brandis. Amanda Bynes is still alive, though. Yes. Well, uh, She's the Man is uh, the 90s ripoff of just one of the guys from the 80s. Well, it's Twelfth Night. <laughs> they say Twelfth Night. It's just one of the guys where she's doing the story, and then she shows her titties at the end. Yeah. Like, I guess. I don't think Amanda Bynes shows her titties and she's a man, though. I don't think she didn't so. do that I at love, the end. I love just one of the guys. I also, what was the one where um, the, oh, was it just called Willy Millie? Um, I don't know. There was this movie that used to be on like 
HBO or like TBS all the time in the late 80s, early 90s. And it was this girl makes a wish that she could be a boy because she was a tomboy and her mom doesn't want her to be a tomboy or some shit like that. And she like casts a spell and she gets a dick. Oh my God. It's very like, this would never, ever fly today. But I used to watch it all the time back in the day. And I loved it. Um, I've never heard of it. They didn't even talk about it on that uh, documentary on Netflix about the uh, trans. uh, Did you see that? Disclosure, was that what it was called? I know about it, but I haven't seen it. Um, They didn't talk about that because I've never heard of this movie. Um, Yeah, it was... She was named Millie and she just flipped it to Willie when she became a boy. Wow. Um, I'm sure I haven't seen it in years mm-hmm. and um, it's probably not going to hold up. I would probably, <laughs> yeah, probably a little rough. Um, but I just looked up the cast and it's um, Patty Duke was the mom. Oh my God. And then um, Pamela Adlon was the Willie Millie character. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, it had a cast. Who else was in it? Seth Green was in it. John Glover. Damn. Yeah. Seth Green? Seth Green. He must have been a child. Oh, this was like, let me see. Uh, 86. Oh, so that was kind of not right after, but after Grease 2. Yes. Yep. Because she was, uh, what was her character name Laura in Grease Two? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she was Paulette's little sister. She was the Dolores, even though Dolores from Fame was another character in it. Yes. Dolores from Fame was Sharon? I think so. I, I, I don't remember the character's name. I just remember she was in Let's Do It For Our Country. Ah, uh, I love that song, actually. With Demucci. <laughs> with Demucci, who I always thought was so sexy. Peter Fretch. You, you, yeah. Ugh, Grease 2. Love it. Love it. Love um, it. I guess we should wrap this up because we've been going, we, we had the 20 minute interview and then with this. Uh, yeah. That's true. So why don't we wrap this up and then oh. we'll start another one. Okay. Thanks All for right. listening. This is Adam. Hi, thanks for listening. This is Jerry. Bye. Bye. Thank you for getting foul with foul monkeys and we hope you enjoyed the show. You can send feedback, dick pics, or marriage proposals to foulmonkeys at gmail.com. You can also leave us sexy messages or some really heavy breathing at 863-666-0377. Ask us questions and interact with us on Twitter and Instagram with the handle at foulmonkeys. You can also join us over at the Facebook page where things can get really, really dirty. Thank you for listening, and we will talk to you soon. Bye. Open on the left at Fullerton. How about Chicago? I could be there.